Hi, and welcome to the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, editor of Airline Weekly, Madhuni Krishnan. I'm joined today by Brian Summers, who's our sister site, Skift Travel, senior aviation business reporter. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thanks for having me, Madhu. It's good to be back. So let's talk about California. You and I are both based in California, myself in San Francisco, and you in Los Angeles. And you're actually up here today, stopping by after a very successful Skift Megatrends event last night in the Bay Area. So let's talk about Long Beach. Tell me about Southern California and what is going on with JetBlue's drawdown at uh, at Long Beach. Well, the California market, Madhu, as you know right now, is, is fascinating. There's a lot of money to be made. And there's a lot of demand. A lot of airlines are doing very well. The outlier is JetBlue, and they did announce recently that they're going to be not pulling out of Long Beach, but pulling back quite a bit. And you know they've already pulled back, uh, so they're not going to be. They're going to be a shell of their prior self. Probably helps to go back to the history of this. Mm -hmm. I think you know, um, you know, when JetBlue was a scrappy East Coast airline, they thought they needed to expand on the West Coast. They expanded at this beautiful airport in Long Beach. Uh, just, and it is a beautiful it airport. It is. It's, it's very close to LAX. It's easy to get into and out of. It's ground level boarding. Uh, they thought that they had something there. Uh, it turns out that the city of Long Beach wasn't so sure. Mm -hmm. Every time uh, JetBlue wanted to expand there, do something differently, the city of Long Beach said no. Most recently, uh, JetBlue wanted to put in a customs facility. I believe that they were going to help pay for it, pay right. for a lot of it. And the city said no way. JetBlue has had trouble in Long Beach for a very long time. And it's amazing that that, that market has lasted as long as it, it, it did. Well, how much of the drawdown that JetBlue recently announced, how much is it of that is due to sort of the capacity at Long Beach. It's very constrained, right? It is constrained. Um, but, you know, I was covering this uh, full-time uh, several years ago, and JetBlue had almost all the slots at Long Beach. Right. So they had enough slots to run 30, 32 flights a day until very recently. But it just didn't give – they didn't have the right kind of scale. Mm. And then I will tell you that, you know, travelers will, will, will say, oh, I love Long Beach. It's such an easy airport to get into and out of. Uh, but these airlines say that at the end of the day, the market prefers LAX. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, you know, what we, in a previous life, I worked for two airlines, both of which uh, paid a lot of attention to the LA basin and argued that alternative airports to LAX were desirable for this reason or that reason. But tell me, tell, what's the reality? What do, you, what do you see on the ground there in LA? Well, LAX may be a pain to get into and out of, but it's actually pretty well located in the basin. Um, it's near the population and it's near the population with money, the west side in, of, of L.A. And all these airlines have built up scale there. So it's just easier for that, them to add flights to places that they're already strong. There are a bunch of people in L.A. that do prefer outlying airports. We're here in San Francisco today to fly to San Francisco. I flew out of Burbank yesterday. Mm -hmm. That was a great opportunity. Uh, but remember, you know, half the people that are using these airports are coming from other places. Right. And this has been a real problem. People come from the East Coast. Uh, they don't know anything about Long Beach. They don't know where it is or how easy it is to get into and out of. They want to go to L.A. Burbank Airport is basically as close to L.A. as LAX is. But because it's called Burbank Airport, it's so hard to persuade people to use it if they're not familiar with it. Uh, Burbank Airport recently changed its name to Hollywood Burbank Airport. That's right, yeah. They actually had a chance to change their name to like Los Angeles Hollywood Internet or Airport. Uh, they chose not to. I think there was some pride at stake there, but they probably would be better off if they changed their name to a, to a version of Los Angeles. Interesting. So so the, the secondary airports, Burbank, Ontario, um, Long Beach, they, they just uh, – they don't – 
the, I mean, they're serving the same catchment area, but they don't have the um, the same ability to draw passengers. Is that what you're saying? Even though they're, I mean, all we hear about, right, is that it's it takes, it took me three hours to drive to LA. It's not that bad, <laughs> Madhu. <laughs> the LAX was just so hard to get to, and I was stuck in the horseshoe for an hour. For those of you that don't know, the horseshoe is the, um, the, the terminals at LAX are arranged around a horseshoe, and there's often hideous traffic jams to get from. To, to once you get on the airport property to get to your terminal. So so we hear all of this, we live all of this sometimes, but you just don't think the uh, airlines can build the kind of operations at the secondary airports they, they have at LAX or it's just... Well, you know, uh, Southwest Airlines is a freak of nature. They do yes. everything differently. <laughs> They've had great success with the outlying basin airports. The rest of the air- airlines have not done as well, but they are beginning to, uh, to add some flights. So American made a big deal of uh, Burbank to DFW, and uh, Delta is now in Burbank to Atlanta. So mm-hmm. we're seeing some growth, but I do think that the market prefers LAX. You know, everybody talks about the business traveler, and they do still prefer frequency. And, right. and there's there's great scale and schedule breadth at, at, at LAX, and it's actually a pretty good airport to use. Yeah, well, uh, moving a few hundred miles up north to where we are now, JetBlue also announced that it is closing one of its earliest stations, um, Oakland. That was kind of an interesting um Interesting bit of news. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not surprised uh, that uh, JetBlue has decided it doesn't want to be in Oakland. I mean, JetBlue is, uh, you know, they've tried lots of things on the West Coast, but I think they're predominantly an East Coast airline. Mm -hmm. They're retrenching in, in what, Fort Lauderdale, Boston, New York, and people who live there, it's kind of like the opposite of the L.A. problem. Uh, If you're coming from New York and you want to go to San Francisco or Northern California, you're thinking SFO. Even if Oakland is more convenient for you, you don't know it. And as an East Coast airline, I think it makes more sense for JetBlue right now to be flying to LAX and SFO and not worrying so much about those other airports. That's absolutely true. I mean, there there is definitely, I mean, to speak to your point about um, LAX and the the secondary airports, as you mentioned, it's a very similar problem up here. People flying from the East Coast or abroad want to fly to San Francisco, even if they may be going to the East Bay, um, Oakland and Berkeley or to Mern County. Um, but uh, it is a little bit different than LA because to get from Oakland to San Francisco, you have to cross a bridge. And that is often a miserable proposition. So, um, you know, the catchment area maybe may look on paper like it's, it's a lot bigger, but uh, the reality is, you know, SFO, San Francisco International serves not only the city, but the South Bay, Silicon Valley, and um, is just, uh, you know, uh, it has the name recognition that uh, similar to LA um, and the secondary airports there. Um, and, you know, to, to speak to that also, Norwegian recently moved a bunch of its flights from Oakland. It was a large presence at Oakland, one of the biggest international carriers at Oakland. It moved several of its flights to San Francisco. So uh, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, a few, a few miles up the road um, from San Francisco, there's San Jose, which just announced that it is building a third terminal, which, you know, will take it up to 42 gates. Its traffic growth has grown by more than 20% for the last three years. And it's kind of stealth, you know, Oakland gets a lot of news, but San Jose is uh, perfectly situated for Silicon Valley and is an aeronautically reliable airport, whereas San Francisco is often fogbound. So um, it's interesting. The Bay Area is proving to be a rather interesting uh, airline. So, Madhu, you, you, you live up here. Obviously, uh, other airlines in the past have had interest in uh, San Jose, American yes. Airlines most famously. Is, is this time going to be different or is it going to be another boom and bust cycle over there? 
You know, it's hard to say. I think this time is different. I think, you know, San Jose has added a bunch of international service. It's adding more flights to uh, more domestic flights in the U.S. I think this time will be different. I think more people, uh, especially as traffic, uh, San Francisco, I think, has now the third worst. The Bay Area has, has the third worst traffic in the country. And San Jose is very close to companies like Google, Apple, very rich catchment area. And I think uh, more consumers are realizing that uh, they don't have to drive the 45 minutes to an hour and a half to San Francisco International. They can hop a flight in San Jose and it's easier. So I, I, I am, I'm pretty uh, bullish on San Jose. But let's, uh, let's move to the east now. Uh, there's some interesting things happening over in, um, in Boston. What's going on in Boston, Brian? Well, uh, Madhu, as you know, um, when other airlines weren't really paying attention, JetBlue uh, built up a fairly dominant position yeah, in Boston. Absolutely. Um, it's a big station for them. I think it's, it might be their number two. At some point in the last few years, uh, Delta Airlines decided to do in Boston what it did in uh, Seattle, which is to say, okay, uh, you know, domestic-oriented hub carrier, we're going to give you a run for your money. So Delta has been growing like gangbusters in Boston, and I understand that they've been doing uh, pretty well. They're going to be doing more transatlantic stuff pretty soon. Something has happened recently that maybe we weren't expecting. Uh, American Airlines said, uh, wait for us, guys. <laughs> uh, American, as you know, uh, really had focused only in its like cornerstone hubs recently, the big ones. They had not been interested in cities like Boston, where they had historically had a presence. They'd been moving out. Uh, but American Airlines now wants to to grow in Boston, and they they recently announced uh, some new service. I think um, Wilmington, North Carolina, if you can believe it, um, Indianapolis, um, stuff like that. Which is interesting because you know it is non hub flying. It's from spoke to spoke flying, which is is as you mentioned something that American hadn't been doing. But which when when I talked to them, I think you know I both had the same conversation with American. And they said uh, we've been to, we've always had a little. Not very lying, but uh, you know, they're like, yeah, it's not, nothing to see here, no big deal. But uh, you know, this is a fiercely competitive business, and sometimes you have to wonder does American actually want to be in these Boston markets, uh, or is it playing games with Delta and trying to lower its rasm just to be difficult? Right? Well, um, moving a little bit south, and speaking of fortress hubs, um, Delta recently, you know, so it's almost like it, uh, it responded to Americans coming into Boston by adding flights in Miami. Would you, would you, what's going on there? Well, Delta says it has very clear reasons for mm-hmm. expanding in Miami. Uh, it stole LATAM, right. the, the big Latin American <laughs> airline um, from American, and they're going to be in a, a very close alliance. And when Brian says stole, he doesn't mean it. Act- they actually stole LATAM. They swooped in and sort of formed a partnership with LATAM as American was buying the same thing. Exactly. And American had already had that partnership yeah. for, for, for many years. Um, so Latam flies all over the United States. But for them, Miami is so important. It's yeah. their number one city by far. And Delta is a big global airline, but it has a relatively small presence in Miami. So Delta has said for a while um, since this transaction happened that it was going to uh, grow in Miami so that it can take people from South America to Miami and onward. So recently, uh, Delta announced quite a few more flights within the state of Florida. So I think it's a Miami, Orlando, Miami, Tampa, that, that sort of stuff, as you know, Madhu, it's not for local traffic, that's right. for, for connecting traffic. Well, Florida is just like, I mean, there, there, there's something magical about that state for, for airlines. There seems to be a bottomless well of capacity that can be thrown in that 
at that state. And I just mixed metaphors terribly. But uh, but but you know what I'm saying. I mean, there, there, there's some everyone seems to want to fly to Florida, even from here. I mean, Spirit just announced its uh, longest uh, domestic flight, Oakland to uh, Fort Lauderdale, which should be interesting. Uh, what do you think of that move? You know, it's interesting. They, I, so I asked them how it's a very long stage, right? It, it's um, and Spirit says it's among the longest in their network, um, both domestic and international. Uh, they will be operating it with an Airbus A320 current engine option, so the the normal, the you know, the the not not the new engine option or Neo. That's a tough flight for that aircraft to make on the westbound leg of it in the winter because and with as many seats as they have. Yes. So um, I, I asked if they'd be weight uh, taking a weight restriction on that flight. Um, they said they're ho- they don't think so because they're starting the flight in April. However, they will be switching to a Neo in June, and that uh, that obviates the the range restrictions of the CEO. CEO. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit about that uh, that Spirit flight. Absolutely. Let's go back to California for a second. United has been really focusing on some of the smaller cities in in California. Can you can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, historically, United has been kind of the number one airline in California. They've gotten away from that a bit as Alaska and Southwest have been duking it out uh, to see which one is better here. But United is going into some very small cities. They announced uh, three flights to Santa Maria, which is in the central coast. I live in Los Angeles, not that far from Santa Maria, and I can't tell you that I ever think about it. (laughs) Uh, But they're going to be flying Santa Maria uh, to Denver, to Los Angeles, to San Francisco. It's just one flight a day. Uh, it's just a CRJ 200. Apparently, United sees um, some money in in uh, you know short stage lengths in the state of California. I'm going to guess it's not because you know a lot of people are going on vacation from San Francisco to Santa Maria. But again, it's about that connecting traffic. There's a big Air Force base uh, near Santa Maria, as I understand. Interesting. That explains also United's flights from Santa Rosa to San Francisco, which I think is what 12 minutes, 13 minutes <laughs> flight time. Uh, but connects with the International Bank out of SFO. Yes, uh, and you may know uh, this situation better than I do, but it, you know these flights are sort of interesting to me because uh, San Francisco has that difficult uh, weather problems yes. and has flow control problems, and a lot of these flights just seem to be the first ones that get canceled all the time. You do see those get boards. Um, they they do, do often say canceled for some of those smaller flights. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining the Airline Weekly Lounge this week. I look forward to having you on again. Thanks for having me, dude. It's been a blast. And uh, per usual, if you have any feedback on this episode or any other episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge, you can drop me a line at mu at skiff.com. Thank you and goodbye.